there's Instagram, there's TikTok, there's X, formerly known as Twitter, there's Snapchat, there's LinkedIn, and of course there's Facebook. That's just to name a few of the many social media options for people around the globe. Amid that lengthy list, does the world really need another social network? Eamon Hariri, co-founder of Vero, an algorithm and ad-free social network, says there certainly is. The Dubai-based entrepreneur and son of former Lebanese Prime Minister Rafiq Hariri has some big plans for the platform in 2024, and he has some thoughts about the tech startup culture in the Middle East and North Africa. This is Business Extra Podcast, and I'm your host, Cody Combs, future editor at The National. Joining me now, Eamon Hariri, co-founder and CEO of Vero. We're interviewing Eamon at the Abu Dhabi Finance Week. So you'll be hearing some ambient noise of the wheeling and dealing going on outside. Thanks very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So first and foremost, does the world need another social network? I think if uh, another would, uh, would imply that we're doing things similar to everybody else, I think we do need to have an alternative and it really starts with the business uh, with the business model. Our business model has always been focused on subscription. We haven't turned subscription on yet because it's part of a bigger plan that we've had for this uh, platform since day one. But it's taken a while for us to build um, the full vision, and we're getting close to that and looking forward to launching subscription um, in uh, 2024. It's difficult to do in the podcast medium, but when if somebody were to download the app right now, what would they experience? Uh, so when you come into the platform, you'll see that uh, first and foremost, uh, where we provide you with a chronological feed. So when you follow somebody, you get access to all of their posts in your feed. We don't get in the way. For creators, that's uh, fantastic because they have 100% access to their following. So whatever following they build, we're not trying to get in the way of that. We don't uh, apply an algorithm to that feed to get people's attention or anything like that. And what that does is it increases engagement. We've seen that time and time again. When the platform gets out of the way, the creator gets to really engage with their their following, see their comments, uh, see the reactions, and it, it makes for a more authentic experience. And why the name Pharaoh? Well, we wanted it to be meaningful. And so we looked up um, what does truth uh, mean or you say truth in, in Latin, and uh, vero is truth in Latin. So um, we we went with that as truly we're trying to go after a real experience. We're trying to um, have people be able to be themselves on the platform, connect with others, connect around their passions, and not feel like this is something that is a flash in the pan or something that's being built to take advantage of anything or anybody. What was the genesis behind the idea behind this? Uh, well, it, it really started when, uh, so I, I came onto social quite late. Um, I didn't jump on uh, social media uh, early uh, like everybody else. And when I did um, finally join some of the platforms that are out there, I noticed that my friends that I knew very well uh, were acting very different online than how I knew them to be in the real world. And so it, it um, clicked something in my head that the platforms are actually changing people's behavior and how they think of themselves. And I, I tried to plot that out, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30 years and how that's going to look. And it, it started to feel like uh, it, it wasn't something that could continue on forever. It, it wouldn't have a positive impact on the world. Sometimes people feel comfortable releasing the numbers. Sometimes they don't. But 
If you don't mind me asking, how many users are we looking at right now? So we have uh, over six and a half million uh, registered users on the platform. Um, and we're, we're not actively marketing the platform just yet. We did a little bit of marketing in uh, a few years ago when we became number one app in the world and it crushed us and it wasn't wasn't what we were expecting. That so was 2018? Yeah, so we're, we really spent a little bit on advertising and, and we became number one app in the world. So um, that was a, it was a lesson learned to, to only do that when we're ready. We feel like we're going to be ready in 2024. And forgive the cynicism, but when I go on the website describing it, it says ad-free, algorithm-free. And maybe I'm just too numb to all the other social media apps, yeah. but where is the business model? So the business model is subscription. We um, we intend to charge a very small fee per month or per year, and uh, to everybody. So we're not we're not doing it for um, a verification tick or anything like that. You you get verified if you uh, submit to to be verified, and you provide adequate information. But really, we want everybody to pay for the experience for the whole thing um, and charge a very small fee for that. And I think that that is a recipe that is more where people are coming in with an intention and want to be part of something rather than just see if we can charge a few for the entire platform, which I don't think ends up creating a, an equitable system for all. Whenever I ask this, people will say, well, the world is our potential customer. The world is our audience. But where are you seeing a lot of success right now? Are there any specific countries? Actually, it has uh, less to do with countries and more intention. So we have a big photography community on the platform. And the reason for that is uh, we're not getting in the way of them publishing the content that they want to publish. Meaning when I say get out of, the, we get out of the way. Um, I mean, we're not compressing their um, you know, whether it's their images or their video down to a level of quality that they're not satisfied with. They're very satisfied with how high the quality is. We don't make them crop. We don't, you know, make them do anything. We let them publish the content in the way that they, their vision is for that content. So we have a large photography community across the world. And really, I, I mean, across the world, I, we're published and our, our app is published in I think 17, over 17 different languages. Um, and so the behavior is very much around photography right now, where you have a high um, quality of content that's being published and they have access to all of their following, which they love. You recently acquired a tokenized security stock exchange. Uh, <laughs> what's, yeah, why? why? So, I know I sound naive, but... Uh. No, not at all. I mean, it's a, it's a world's first, um, and it, it really has to do with uh, acquiring something that allows us to uh, implement the vision that we've always had for this. We want this to be community-owned, and that is really difficult uh, if you're trying to get around regulation. We decided to go down the harder path, which is to be fully regulated. Uh, and so the idea there is, you know, when you look at um, any creator community that comes and adopts a platform, they provide enormous value to that platform, equity value that they never have access to. And so what we want to do is we want to allow for creators to unlock um, ownership in the platform at scale for the value that they're bringing. So for subscribers that they bring to the platform, they get to earn shares 
in the platform. And so, in in fact, it becomes a partnership between us and the com and the creative community as opposed to doing things off of their backs. Creators really get the short end of the, of the stick uh, these days when they come onto a platform and they adopt a platform as as something they want to use. They have to bring their own monetization strategies to the platform, and after and and they're on a, a hamster wheel. So when they decide to come off the hamster wheel, everything stops. And we don't want that. We want to work with people where they get to gain on the long term with us and uh, and earn shares in the platform. So it's not a perfect comparison, but I'm, I'm comparing it to what I know, and that's news publishers that are on different social platforms. News publishers get a lot of engagement on Facebook. They get a lot of engagement on Twitter. Hypothetically, though, that news publisher could go bankrupt. Twitter and Facebook are still thriving. So this, in this way, if I'm understanding correctly, there's it's win-win. Absolutely, win-win. We're always going for that win-win. Um, so thank you for bringing that up. Absolutely. Uh, the idea is that you know you're doing something, especially in the nascent stages of a platform, to bring, and you're bringing value to that platform by bringing uh, an audience there, by bringing revenues there. And so what do you get for that if you decide to stop? Let's say you don't go bankrupt, you just decide to stop for whatever reason. You've created, now you've created a ton of value for that platform. There's other people joining that platform because you brought an initial audience and you created that, that um, flywheel, but you have nothing to show for it. You know, you think about all the people that joined Twitter at the beginning that, um, brought a lot of value to Twitter and a lot of credibility to the platform, whether it's news outlets. I think we all remember the uh, CNN um, versus... Um, Ashton Kutcher. Ashton Kutcher, yes, thank you. Yes, yeah. that's all right. Um, so that, that, even that moment created an enormous amount of credibility for the platform that then became you know, what it is today, but neither CNN nor uh, nor he got any equity in the platform as a as a result of that. So we're looking to make do things differently from the onset. Whether it's our business model, providing equity value for the people that are bringing uh, their audience to the platform, and and continue on from there. What it sounds like, and I, I always bring up Twitter, TikTok, Facebook. It sounds like you are shopping down a different aisle, so to speak. I don't want to mischaracterize that, but that's what it sort of sounds like. Yeah. Whenever we talk about social media, at least for the here and now, it all, for whatever reason, comes back to TikTok. That's where all the buzz is. That's where all the excitement is. How do you compete against something like that? Because right now, TikTok just sort of sucks the air out of the room, for lack of a better phrase. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's at the end of the day, you have to take a step back and take a, uh, a look at different media um, content or platforms over history, you know, at one at one uh, time, I remember that um, you know, sort of the the real world. If you remember the the show on MTV, and then that um, those kinds of shows took over all kinds of content. Nobody was thinking outside of those. And then Netflix came in and decided to produce a very high level of content behind a subscription wall, and everybody paid. And now it's all about the high quality versus the low quality. So you think about things and the trajectory everything is on. I believe that people will ultimately pay for quality and a quality experience and something that they feel is, um, is a safer and a better, um, a better experience. Now, uh, 
TikTok, Pinterest, uh, a lot of these platforms, they connect an audience to content and not to creators. What we're more interested in doing is connecting an audience to creators through the creator's content. And that's very different. It creates a more, um, a higher quality experience and a higher quality connection between people and the creators that they, they like to follow. You've touched on it several times, but if you had to kind of hyper-focus it, what's your biggest problem with the current social media business model? Well, it's based on um, addictive, um, an addictive model. It's, it's based on wanting to get uh, people's attention as much as possible, so the attention economy. That is something that is a, uh, it just doesn't work out over the long term. You end up cutting corners, doing anything you can to get the audience back onto the platform. And that isn't the business that I want to be in or a line that I want to cross. We're here at Abu Finance Week. And as an investor in the region, what do you think some of the biggest challenges and opportunities are for MENA-based startups, whether it's regulation, maybe a lack of regulation, or the mercurial currency or the, the mercurial economic situation in Lebanon? What? Any thoughts? <laughs> uh, for, for Lebanon, it's a, I mean, uh, starting with that question, I think it's a, it's it's really a, a complicated place because of just having so many outside forces influencing um, the decision making within the country. When it comes to the challenges of uh, regulation, I think on the one hand you want to make regulation understandable and people to understand that if they want to play in the securities arena, they have to be regulated. It can't be any other way because you're potentially taking advantage of people's lack of knowledge, lack of attention for the details, and you need to have people regulate the offerings that they're providing um, large consumer bases. And we saw big problems at the time of um, of Web3 with, with NFTs, etc., where people didn't know what they were getting themselves into and they weren't sophisticated enough. So we want to go down the path of always looking at what's in the best interests of people. We're not looking for a quick win, um, you know, a hit and run. What we have to create is a platform that is an alternative to all of that, where people feel safe and secure for the things that they're looking at, that somebody's been looking at it. And obviously, who watches the watchman? We need a regulator regulating us, because then that creates you know, a safer environment for everybody. You often hear about people criticizing social media, but they often do so on social media. Do you think your platform can be a turning point to some of that criticism? Or maybe the criticism is overblown. It's just one of those things. You know, the, the term social network, I think, has been hijacked by online platforms. The real social network is the one that you're doing right now today when you walk out of this booth and you go and you meet people. You grow your social network by those relationships. Those relationships could become business partners. They could become lifelong friends. But the social network took us out of the caves. It's where we helped each other and learned from each other from our different experiences. And even with time and people passing, they pass that knowledge in their life to, to other people. So the social network is a very powerful tool. And I don't think that there is a an equal to that online. There isn't a representation of that value and those values online. And so I would like 
Barrow to be that platform that changes the way people think about social networks, because I think the social network is a very valuable tool that has helped humanity advance itself. How can we take that? How can we allow technology to take us into the next phase of that by providing the real social network online? Are you seeing any areas where it's doing really, really well geographically and maybe other areas where it's not doing well? Where are the strengths in terms of where this is being seen around the world? Sure. I, I, I see um, large amounts of users in the US, in Europe, in Japan. Um, but mostly I think that shifts depending on the particular community that comes on board. Like I said earlier, photography is a big um, a, a big community that we have on Vero, and, and it has to, a lot to do with the decisions that we make every day on how we design the, the platform. As we start to create these uh, value exchanges through securities, through equity, that may shift um, the audience to even, you know, to, to other countries that aren't on board today because we solve a particular problem for them. So really it has to do with the real world value that we can create uh, rather than thinking about it as a broadcasting platform that is entertaining the world and only looking for that click or only looking for that swipe or that view. Those things are included, but hopefully it serves a greater purpose, but we'll see. So what we're seeing here at Abitabi Finance, we can see a lot of founders, you a lot of see aspiring founders, you see a lot of people um, doing their level best to try to get their startups known, their startups funded. What sort of struggles do you see them seeing regionally here that they might not otherwise see in the United States, perhaps the UK, or maybe it's vice versa, maybe they have an advantage to some respects? Yeah, it's a good question. I, whenever anybody talks to me about entrepreneurship, first of all, I... You know, when we apply entrepreneurship to the idea of founding a company and starting something new and, and being going on an adventure, really, that's a high risk. Well, with that risk comes the, the possibility of failure. And I think culturally speaking in the Middle East, we don't take failure very well. Um, but it's a necessary part of the learning experience in building things. And I think creating an ecosystem that goes all the way, you know, even down to school level, high school level and, and college to make that understood uh, and build that into the equation somehow, I think we would get much more uh, people who are much more willing to take risks uh, because culturally it starts to be accepted that it's part of the journey of towards success. And obviously, uh, Vero is not a public company. Uh, how is it looking in terms of investment funding? Yeah, so I've, I've been the, um, the sole funder for the most part of, of this platform. Um, you know, have put in you know, close to $90 million into the platform over the last uh, better part of, of 10 years. Uh, we would like, uh, you know, one day to be public on our own exchange and provide community uh, ownership in the platform. But we'll see. You know, I totally tell. overlooked that you could possibly be public on your own exchange. <laughs> I totally overlooked that. That, I think, brings us full circle. Is there anything else about Vero that I'm not asking that you want people to know? Look, we're here, we're here for the long term. Um, we've been doing this for uh, the better part of 10 years. We care about our, our users, who are ultimately our customers, whether they're paying us today or not. If you register on Vero today, you get Vero free for life. 
Uh, and when we turn subscription on, then you will be paying uh, a monthly fee, whether it's to the platform or to a creator. And um, we're really, you know, we really respect the, the privacy of our users. We're not trying to do any gotchas, anything like that. We're committed to the vision that we've set forth almost a decade ago. And uh, we're making big, bold moves by, you know, purchasing a, our own stock exchange to be able to go and take this vision to the, to the next level. Eamon Hariri, co-founder and CEO of Vero, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. That's it for this episode of Business Extra. Please remember to follow us wherever you get your podcast to receive all our updates as soon as they come out. This episode was produced by Doa Farid and Arthur Edison. I'm your host, Cody Combs. <laughs>